Our scripture this morning uh, comes from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and I'm going to be reading it as I go along. Will you pray with me? Now, O Lord, may the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. God, I carry around this incompleteness, this drive for fulfillment that always seems to be just around the corner. If only I could get it together and find my true calling, my true passion, or the right plan, God, help me, guide me. What am I? I missing. Have you ever felt like that? Like try as you might to find meaning and purpose and contentment in life. You just keep coming up empty. Like it's just around the corner and you can't catch it. Like you always want more. As I sat at my kitchen table with a cup of coffee, Last Friday, it felt like this prayer from Kate Bowler was written just for me. It comes from a book with the title, The Lives We Actually Live. A hundred blessings for our imperfect days. Bowler is a professor at Duke Divinity and a cancer survivor. And I've always appreciated her work because it is brutally honest about the exhausting mundane, joyful, and tragic details that make up our lives. Boulder would be the first to say that we should ask God for more than what this broken world can give us. But she also insists over and over and over again that we can find blessing and that we can find God in the lives we actually live. Not the ones we used to have or the ones that we wish for, or the ones that we strive to have or pretend to have, but our actual lives. This is exactly what 10 lepers learned when they called out to Jesus. Lepers were required by Jewish law to stay back from everybody. Some scholars say 50 feet. It was feared that getting too close to them would not only cause their skin disease to spread, but also this ritual uncleanness, this less than status before God. So lepers could only be with other lepers. Unable to live with their families or work, they were reduced to a life of begging. Have Pity on us, they would cry as people went by, hoping that the coins flung at them from a disgusting distance would buy this day their daily bread. Can you imagine what it would be like to do that every single day? But on this tragically ordinary day, God in the flesh came walking toward the leper colony. Luke 17, verse 11, 
Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus said, Go show yourselves to the priest. His words were an invitation to faith. Leviticus 14 instructs those who have been healed from leprosy to go and show themselves to the priest so that the priest could verify the healing and that, so that they could complete the rituals required to make them once more clean. And as they went, they were cleansed. All of them have faith, and all of them were healed. But the story's not over. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. <gasps> Luke's audience audibly gasps. Jesus asked, were not all ten lepers cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give thanks to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Jews at Jesus' time considered Samaritans ethnically impure. They called them half-breeds and dogs. Jews at Jesus' time considered Samaritans worse than pagans because they claimed to worship the same God, but they worshipped Him all wrong. They were thought to be spiritually unclean themselves. Jews felt the same animosity towards Samaritans that we feel when we fight other kinds of Baptists. You know, we don't disagree about too much, but we, I think it's because it's so close to home. We can fight with each other more than we fight with people who have all kinds of other differences that we don't. But Jesus said to this unclean foreigner who worshipped on the wrong mountain, who didn't believe in all the Scriptures, who believed all the wrong things about God, your faith has made you well. The Samaritan's gratitude, apparently, was enough. Alright, so I don't know about y'all, but I'm confused. Hadn't Jesus already made the man well when He healed him of leprosy? And didn't the other nine also have faith and also were made well? So what's different about this man's faith and the wellness that he enjoys? When I looked up this word translated made well, I remembered that in Greek it's the word sozo. Sozo can mean saved, rescued, delivered, healed, or made whole. Jesus wasn't just saying that the Samaritan's body had been healed. He was talking about his heart, his soul, his spirit. Within this beautiful array of possible translations, I like the King James Version of verse 19 best. 
Thy faith hath made thou whole. Whole. I like it because it speaks to the incompleteness, to the drive for fulfillment, to the feeling that something is missing that we all feel from time to time. I like it because it speaks to the aching hole of grief left within us when someone or something has been lost or taken away from us. Some of us are excited about Thanksgiving with no worries or cares or anxiety and bless your little hearts. But for others, this week starts with lots of expectations, doesn't it? Sure, intellectually, we know that no matter how clean and decorated our house is or how perfect the food is or how much we eat or how much we drink or how splendid the plans we have to spend all this time with our family are, that this holiday can't fulfill the emptiness within us. But yet we still set our hopes on it, thinking that somehow by willing it or cooking ourselves to death, that we can turn our lives into a Hallmark movie and the whole family will come home and everybody will be happy and somehow, magically, this day will shoo the elephants from the room and fix all of our unspoken problems. Others of us can't afford to be so naive. We're dreading Thanksgiving. We don't expect much at all except for awkwardness and pain and maybe an argument with that uncle at the dinner table. And we'll be employing all the same coping mechanisms, the cooking, the eating, the drinking, the plans, the dull feeling anything at all. Some of us are thinking about that chair that will be empty this year or the chair that is empty again and again after all these years. Others of us will have new people sitting in the chairs at our tables. The faith of the Samaritan is an invitation in the midst of all of this to all of us. The faith of the Samaritan is a faith that began with gratitude. A gratitude that began when he began to see things for what they really were. When he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now I'm sure those other lepers saw that they were healed. And Luke didn't say they were blind too. But did they see it for what it really was? This Samaritan didn't just see. He had recognition. He paused to behold the miracle. He took time to celebrate the gift and return thanks to its source. So often we go through life blinded by the blessings all around us. Missing the miracles that make up our days. Miracles when things are going well, but yes, also Miracles when everything seems to be wrong. We might see them, but we don't see them. That's why it's so important to say the blessing before we eat. The blessing helps us remember and recognize every small sacrifice that brought the food from earth to farm to truck to store to table. 
Just think about all of the lives that give you life. If you look at your plate long enough and trace every single ingredient, you will be in awe of all the animals and vegetables and miracles that feed you. And that's just one meal. What if you did it every single day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and not just mumbling some words, but really giving thanks? You might stop rushing to clean your plate and savor every morsel, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. You might be reminded again, as Norman, Norman Wordsba declares, that food is God's grace made delectable. But if you'd ever heard my granddaddy Charles' blessing and took it seriously, you might be in awe of so much more. For these and all thy gifts, we give thee thanks and praise. These gifts of turkey and dressing and sweet potato casserole and cornbread and green beans, yes, and, and all of thy gifts of love around and beyond the table, all of them. So when somebody on Thursday insists that you go around the table and tell the group that's with you what you're thankful for, you can roll your eyes, you can make a joke, you can say something trivial so that you can just dig in and unmute the football game. Or you can take an inventory of your life, of all that is good and nourishing and sustaining you, even in hard times. And you could be amazed. And that's why on Wednesday nights, I always start our prayer time by asking, what are you celebrating tonight? What are you giving thanks for? I know my question will be met with crickets until I just move on or until one of you tries to rescue us from the awkward silence. But I do it every time because I want you to think. I want you to make a list of the ways that God and others have been faithful to you. A list of the ways that your life is good. Even if it's just for a few seconds on a Wednesday night. Because there are so many other lists that take up space in our minds and in our hearts. List of things that we have to get done. Often things that we're dreading doing. List of things that have happened to us. List of things like regrets that we can't get past. Though the news is list of deaths and global wars and episodes of corruption and pettiness and dysfunction at the highest seats of power. They are prayer lists, the churches and our own. Line after line of surgeries and illnesses and injuries and griefs. If you only ever think about these lists, it's easy to feel hopeless, empty, exhausted, restless, and incomplete because you're only seeing a little part of life. If you want a faith that can make you whole, you have to learn to see the blessings and the miracles that God has given you alongside everything else that life holds. That's my experience. When my life feels meaningless and empty, when I get sad or discouraged, if 
I start making a list of what I can be thankful for, I'm often surprised at all of the blessings and miracles that I take for granted. I'm often surprised by the ways I can see in hindsight or right there where God is showing up in my actual life. I almost always begin to feel more whole, more satisfied, more at peace. It doesn't take away my pain or my disappointment or my big existential questions, but it places all of these things in the wider context of God's provision. Maybe Jesus and the scientists are right. Last January, the open circle class had some homework to do. The study guide was a page divided into four sections, inviting participants to write what they were thankful for in each and every season of life. Dan Taylor's list is framed. It's not because he had pretty handwriting. His chicken scratch is almost as bad as mine. But because I imagine of how encouraging it was for him and everyone else to see it. Dan was thankful for his parents and their 57 Chevy, for sunrises and sunsets, for going to the 1975 World Series at Fenway Park, even though the Reds beat his Red Sox. And he was thankful for the challenges he was able to meet and conquer with Linda, his life partner, for 57 years. I imagine all the many times that Dan must have seen this list standing on the dresser in this past 10 months, in this last 10 months of his life. I imagine Dan seeing it as he had to give up so many things he enjoyed, as he struggled to breathe and make it up the stairs, as he saw his loved ones already grieving his death, as they knew and he knew that the end was near. There might have been moments where Dan saw the list and grumbled under his breath in bitterness and in anger at all that he had lost and all that he was losing. But I imagine much more often it must have made him smile and it must have helped him with a twinkle in his eye to say to me and to many of you, not just I have had a good life, but I have, I have a good life. My friends, if you want to be whole, count your blessings. Praise God in a loud or quiet voice. Throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and thank Him for every good gift. That is the faith that Jesus says will make you whole.